Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. B on a Wednesday night, September 20th, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're a part of the show. As always, Slick Rick sitting right there, going to do some sports. Rick Delgado sitting right there, it's going to do the news. Yeah. And of course, you, the live for Studio 6B audience worker, always appreciative. You give us a few hours of your day, 8 to 10 weekdays, right here on Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Well, lots to talk about, and really one thing to focus on tonight. We've got a lot of got a lot of five minute segments of video to show you. <laughs> I can't imagine why. From the hearing today, from? from the oh, look at this is my Merrick Garland impression. It just put the rope up so I can do the rope a dope back and forth because that's all he did all day long. Rope a dope, rope a dope, rope a dope, and as Thomas Massey said, possibly perjury, perjury, perjury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to that. I've got Massey, who was great. Mike Johnson started the whole thing off, and I mean, two minutes in, hamada 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 hamada. You get well. I'm not. I, don't, I mean, just unbelievable. Troy Nels, uh, Matt Gates, Kevin Kiley, and Jeff Van Drew from New Jersey, who used to be a Democrat, I understand, who uh, was very eloquent himself. So I got all of those guys from today from this hearing in the judiciary. Which I feel like every time we have one of these hearings, it's kind of the same story. The Democrats, if they can't talk about Trump, have really mm-hmm. nothing to talk about and have no interest in talking about the topics at hand. Not one question about any of the topics at hand from any Democrat today in the whole hearing. Talking about um, somebody wanted to talk about recovery. Somebody wanted to, you know, they all want to talk about basically just talk about Trump. I don't know what they're going to do when Trump's not around to talk about. When his four years of back in the Oval Office is over and he moves on to other things, I don't know what they're going to do, some of them. I don't know what Jerry Nadler's going to do. I guess he'll go back to eating full time. I don't know. Because if he can't talk about Trump, there's nothing else for him to talk about. And some of the other ones as well. There's just nothing else for them to talk about. They have no interest in any of the topics at hand. No interest, of course, in obviously in Hunter Biden or the president. Because if they were to really answer honestly, they'd, they'd be exposed. And Jerry Nadler is not someone you want to expose. You oh, God, keep, please. You know, keep that covered up. Uh, so we'll go through all of those. i got a lot of news. I'm sure the guys have news as well. Dr. Jim Thorpe is going to join us at the bottom of the hour from the Wellness Company. Talk about some of the things they're doing. So we got that coming up. Uh, but let's start with just a couple of housekeeping, short little things. The Federal Reserve ended their two-day meeting today, and they kept rates unchanged. Uh, Fed holds rates steady, but does talk about possibly another one hike later here in Q4 of the year. 
Uh, Federal Reserve officials voted to hold interest rates steady at 22-year highs and signaled they're prepared to raise rates one more time this year if need be to combat inflation. And I, and I think I think that talk is really more just talk to keep the market somewhat on edge because the last thing they want is the market running from here uh, knowing that they're probably actually done. So they want to leave that impression that they're not done just to try to keep some things in check. Because I think the other thing is they realize their 2% goal is probably not a goal, at least until maybe the end of next year. And I think they probably hold these rates, well, until either something breaks, until we have a real credit crisis, real credit crisis, worse than 2008, something like that happens, some big firm goes down or whatever and cascades from there. Or they hold these rates probably till about the summer if they can make it that far. They say with economic activity stronger than anticipated, most officials also expected that they would need to keep the interest rates near their current levels through next year. According to projections released today, the conclusion of their two-day policy meeting, Fred, uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said officials didn't need to decide yet whether to raise rates again this year. What people are saying is, quote, let's see how the data comes in. While inflation has declined recently, we want to see that it's more than just three months, he said. Powell also said the speed of which the Fed raised rates last year mean we have the ability to be careful as we move forward. Plus, a lot of the rates that they raised is probably working on a 12-month lag. So we're really getting into the heart of those raises now when they were doing 75, 75, 75, 50, mm -hmm. 50. You know, we're really going to start to feel those right about now. We're about 12 months from that time. Uh, Fed officials raised the benchmark federal funds rate to between 525 and 5.5. And they began lifting rates from near zero back in March of 2022. Powell last month signaled he was reluctant to declare victory too soon on the Fed's inflation fight. Recent progress slowing inflation is only the beginning of what it will take to build confidence that inflation is moving down substantially. Well, we know inflation is moving down substantially, except for a couple key metrics that the CPI obviously weights extremely heavily, which of course is rent, owner's equivalent rent, housing, those kind of things are right. still energy now ticking back up are still weighing heavily on on why we're not seeing this really crater towards 2%. Uh, the median projection showed officials expect to lower the federal funds rate to around 5 by the end of 2024. I probably think it's going to be a little earlier than the end of 2024. I don't know that they can hold these there all the way through the year. I think next summer would likely be a time where they could maybe look about starting to ease off these rates. Uh, so that happened this morning. Uh, now, you thought he was going to raise. Were you surprised? Yeah, yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, but you know what? He, he didn't do anything, but he didn't lower either. Well, no, we knew that was never even right. on the I table. Couldn't. So, so, so my question now, because, you know, as you were saying, we're still going gonna to start to feel – these uh, raises that they've put into place, yeah. we're going to start to feel that. How is that going to help anybody? Unemployment's going to start to go up. Mm -hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect us negatively. Of course. So then, 
I don't understand how anybody thinks, well, then we're going to lower it because then it'll be good. Then we'll be in good shape. Uh, it seems like we're heading down. Uh, things well, are gonna, probably going to get worse before they get better. Of right? course. And they're okay. going to oh, overdo it. They're going to realize they overdid it. And you're going to have real problems in the economy. And then they're going to have to cut to stimulate the economy, which is the vicious circle that we always go in. It's like what happened when COVID came in. They were just, they were raising rates then too, remember. And then COVID came in and they immediately had to start cutting and got to basically zero. Even though, again, the, the economy, real estate, as things turned around very quickly, you know, the market, remember the market dropped to about 18,000? Yeah. And then quickly, quickly recovered. Yeah, bang, back. And up. went on to go in back to the 30s. Real estate was flying, commodities were flying, and everybody was saying, hey, maybe we want to get off a of zero. And we didn't get off a of zero until it was too late. Now, here's my question. And we printed $7.8 trillion, including the CARES Act, which was responsible for about $4 trillion of it. Here's my question. Uh, um, do you foresee inflation continue to go, continuing to go higher? Because we've seen it start to trend back upwards. Well, again, I... I there's nothing they can do to control energy prices. And Biden has um, artificially tried to keep them low by draining the strategic petroleum reserve, which is now he's not going to be able to do. So it depends a lot of what happens in China. Uh, it, ha it depends what happens around. the You know, again, it, there's a lot of things out of their control, the Fed, with energy. I think real estate is going to – I still think we're going to feel the real estate market, which has really in, in a lot of places started to roll over. Not as much as I think people thought, but it has rolled over, and I don't think we've seen the effects of that yet. Owner's equivalent rent and rent, if you look at the last CPI reading, was still extremely heavily weighted. Right. Uh, used cars, news cars, uh, some of those were surprised to the upside. So I do think we will continue to see it come down because eventually you're and, – and you could see it come down actually dramatically, not maybe not to 2%. But when you get the real estate rollover, actually get into the numbers, you could see a significant drop one of these months, which is why I think the talk today is more just to keep everybody kind of on the edge of their seat. Oh, we, we're we ready to raise. Don't you think we're done there? Now, now what if we, we – because we are in a recession. I think everybody – Kind of, we kind of agree to that, even though they don't like to talk about it. Um, well, the the numbers haven't officially said, you know. Well, we know they they fudge the numbers. We know we we can't believe them for, for anything, but what we know because you know we're seeing how it hits us uh, on an everyday basis. We're seeing how it's wiping out people's savings. We're seeing how it's it's affecting everybody on pretty much all different levels. Um, what's the next step? Uh, I've heard talk of you know, hey. Possibly depression. Are we? Uh, what happens then? Well, I think we're still. I think we're still a ways from there. I mean, the way that we get to depression is obviously. I mean, right now Biden can't pass anything, so I think that kind of saves us from that. But if he was to pass tremendously uh, over tax, if he was to pass any kind of horrific tax uh, policy right now, mixed with a slowing in the economy that we're going to see that, that could lead us to depression. Oh, but that's mean, not going to happen right now. You mean you, you trust Kevin McCarthy to not sell everybody out again? I know I don't actually, I don't okay. trust Kevin McCarthy at all, by the way. <laughs> and I don't trust him on this CR not to find their way to a clean CR, which is why I keep talking about these people playing hardball, which I would, I would be all for in any other circumstance, but we just don't have the numbers to play hardball.
So, I mean, I, I listen to Gates and I listen to Rosendale and I listen to these people and I go, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm on board with exactly what they're saying. And then you look at the reality of the numbers and you say, well, you know, the hard line, it only plays into McCarthy's hand to go, you know what, let me go deal with the Main Street Rhino Caucus and get a couple, we'll just pass a clean CR. Then, then what, what do you do? Then you get a clean CR, which is total capitulation, which is what we're used to in the Republican Party in these debates. Mm-hmm. Pure capitulation. Where what we have on the table right now, at least for 30 days, buys us 30 days to get 11 appropriations bills together. is an 8% cut and um, a pretty good start to close the border. And eight, uh, when's the, just, I'm just curious on all the people debating this, when's the last time you ever heard of anyone talk about an 8% cut to government spending? How many, where was the last year that that was on the table? Even if it's for 30 days. When's the last time you heard that? When's the last time anyone talked about getting rid of catch and release at the border since Biden took office? I mean, I know, every, I know everybody is like, nope, McCarthy's got to go. We're not doing anything. Again, we have to get to the shutdown. So if you think that that gets us to a shutdown, but you leave the door open for McCarthy to say, well, just pass a clean CR. We don't, we don't need them. We don't need them. Well, let, let's see. I, I saw these headlines. Fun fact, interest on the national debt is now two times defense spending. 5% interest on $33 trillion national debt is $1.65 trillion every single year. Yeah, and it's only going to go up. And our total taxes collected, four point nine trillion. So you're talking about thirty percent, approximately. And by the way, remember this: if we get to a shut, if we get to a shutdown because nothing happens and McCarthy doesn't roll over and cave, mm-hmm. we get a one percent cut. That was built in from the from the raise. Remember, Massey was uh, when he went for the debt ceiling raise. We were all like, "What?" He was like, "Well, we get a one percent cut." So you got a seven percent difference in, in what you're going to get. Just in that short term. All right, just getting started. Live from Studio 6B. More after this. All right, 17 past the hour. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. We'll do news and sports. So I want to take a second here. Slick. Oh, what do you got there? Look at this. Oh, look at that. Look at what came in the mail That's yesterday. Right. I can't see. Oh, there you go. Much better. Now it's perfect. Wow. This was um, this what? was designed Beautiful. and sent to us by Jeff Erickson. Slide a little more to your left. Who said, I watch you every night from Illinois. Watch this over, over here. Yeah, right. Perfect. Uh, we keep, love you guys. People like that for the rest of the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you, you guys are jerks. I would be privileged. Hey, it's to flag be, day. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be. Hey, that's the best the show's looked in a long time. Absolutely. I would be privileged to be able to send you a wall hanging that I make from scrap wood out of my wood shop. So look at this. That's I mean, how great is that? That's gorgeous. Cool. And he signed the back of it to the whole LFS6B crew of Patriots. On and off camera, thank you for all you do. May God bless you all. Keep up the great work. Hope you enjoy this. Godspeed. Wow. That? That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And we're going to hang this in the studio. <clears throat> yeah, uh, probably somewhere. right behind you. Yep. 
I think we're going to hang it right in front of Damon's microphone. <laughs> You've never looked better, Big D. You've never looked better. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you make a good flagman. Okay. <laughs> Look out, the train's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Here it comes, the Biden Express. <laughs> it's like you don't want to give him a facelift. You You'll see what's a, underneath. If you guys had a button when you wanted to allow me to talk, it could just go. <laughs> okay, yeah. shut yeah. it down. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that, too. It's interesting that last night after the show, I got home. And popping around, there was really nothing to watch. I came across the History Channel, but it was Kelsey Grammer who was uh, who was hosting and narrating um, about the Revolutionary War, and it was some really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, they did some reenactments of some of the battles and how some of this stuff went down that that you don't even realize happened. Um, like Bunker Hill was never really fought on Bunker Hill, but was on Breed Hill, which was a smaller hill, just to the uh, I guess facing Boston. Um, just interesting the way, you know, some of these things of, of history kind of played out and people think, oh, that happened in 7076, actually 1775, uh, you know, when the famous line, you know, don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes because they were low on ammunition and they needed to preserve it. And you find out the muskets really were only lethal from 50 yards in. So if you shot further than you could see their face, it was like a wasted shot. So in, just interesting wow. stuff I found, yeah. And I know Kelsey Grammer is a uh, huge patriot, loves loves uh, history, American history. Oh, very cool. I'll have to yeah. check that out maybe. Yeah, very sounds, cool. It sounds very informative. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything of what you just said. Yeah. And, and this, well, a little bit. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a guy's name I never knew in history, uh, a, a name. Shut up, Slick. <laughs> His name was John. I believe it was John Warren. Uh, was a huge revolutionary hero. He was a doctor in Boston. He worked. He basically worked, um, you know, as a, as a physician. But he had he had uh, British uh, generals that were his clients, but also you know American patriots who were his clients. And through that, he established kind of a a spy network, where he where he was according to, according to the way it was described, he was plying the wife of one uh, um, British general who was born in the States, born in the colonies, I should say. And she, supposedly she was feeding him information that he passed along to the, uh, to, to the American patriots. America, amazing stuff. It sounds amazing. People in the audience are making fun of my memory, saying that I wouldn't remember any of it anyway so, <laughs> if I had watched it. Which, unfortunately, is probably true. That's true, because after 50... That's why Delgado's here. But what do you mean? You're over 50, aren't you? Oh, yeah, No, he's not over 50. Oh, no? Of course I am. Jack O'Lane? Oh, yeah. You take uh, Alpha Brain. Is that why? I I don't remember what it's called, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. (laughs) He didn't remember we were doing sports. He's even worse off than we are. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. (laughs) Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, Big D. Well, let's get over to the scoreboard first and foremost. Major League Baseball getting ready to wrap it up. We're inside 10 games now, and we got the Angels right now over the Rays, 6-1, end of four. Top of the fifth, Mets lead the Marlins 3-1. Blue Jays 1-0 over the Yankees, bottom four. Mid-third, Cubs lead the Pirates 1-0. 
Cubs looking for one of those last wild card spots. The Brewers right now over the Cardinals, 3-1. to one. That's top of the second. Brewers look like they're going to be taking that NL Central. Uh, Phillies over the Braves, 6-5. That was a final earlier today, 10 innings. Twins over the Reds, 5-3. to three. Reds slip sliding away. Uh, Nationals over the White Sox, 13-3. to three. Rangers beat the Red Sox, 15-5. to five. Astros down the Orioles, 2-1. Guardians blank the Royals, uh, beat the Royals, 6-2. or uh, 6 2. Actually, you know, check that. Royals 6-2 over the Guardians earlier today. Excuse me. Uh, Mariners 6-3 over the Athletics. That's a final. Diamondbacks defeated the Giants 7-1. Padres 3-2 over the Rockies. I guess baseball is going to bed early tonight. Mm-hmm. And Tigers and Dodgers, that's a late one. 10-10 first pitch of the night. And here we go. We got uh, Autopsy provides information about cause of death for Patriots fan. Reported on this last night, that very unfortunate situation uh, that happened on Sunday at the game between the uh, Dolphins and Patriots at Gillette Stadium up in New England. Uh, this was posted by Larry Brown Sports Steve Del Vecchio. A fan died at Gillette Stadium on Sunday during the New England Patriots Miami Dolphins game and an autopsy has revealed some new information about the tragic event. Massachusetts State Police announced on Monday that a man and his 50s had an apparent medical incident midway through the fourth quarter of the game. Paramedics on the scene brought the man to nearby Sturdy Memorial Hospital in Attleboro, Massachusetts, where he was pronounced dead. The man was later identified as 53-year-old Dale Mooney of Newmarket, New Hampshire. Various witnesses spoke with local news outlets about the incident and said Mooney was involved in a physical altercation before his death. One fan who was seated nearby shared a cell phone video that shows a man in a dolphin jersey throwing a punch at another man who is believed to be Mooney. Uh, according to Brian Lambert of Boston 25 News, the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office announced on Wednesday that an autopsy conducted on Mooney does not suggest he died from a traumatic injury. The autopsy showed that Mooney had a different medical episode, but the exact cause of death remains under investigation. Mooney's wife, Lisa, told Boston 25 News that she was told her husband was being taunted by a Dolphins fan during the game, which led to a physical altercation. State police detectives are still investigating to determine exactly what happened prior to Mooney's death. Now, I'm no attorney, but I can tell you something. This fellow that threw that, that, that hook big day from the Dolphin fan there, he could very well be up for manslaughter in this in this situation. Yeah. I mean, they really, I guess they're going to have to look at this autopsy and see if the guy died, you know, with post-traumatic yeah, I mean, a heart I, attack. I don't, yeah, I don't really understand. Like, he had a medical incident just as he was getting beaten up? Exactly. Or? Well, after, after he, I mean, it must have put him into cardiac arrest, it sounds like, but it's they that, haven't, we're like, speculating here, right. of course. It this sounds is like a story. It sounds like it was triggered okay, by uh, the beating. Oh, Definitely. that's what I'm saying, because yeah. the, the article made it sound like almost it was two separate things that just happened to happen at the same time. That's yeah. not true. Yeah, a little bit mixed words here. Exactly, a little bit of forked tongue there in, in that uh, in that particular article. But uh, I, 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 this guy who's a Dolphins fan, which I, I presume that they've you know identified who the individual was. They know who the man was. That he's gonna he's he's guy can't be can't be resting too easy. Besides the fact that anybody's involved with a death of somebody, it's a, it's a terrible you know overall. It's got to be very terrible. Um, so I don't know, big D. This is really going to be some story how it plays out. But you know, it just goes back to the same. Thing. It's a damn game. I mean, we're out to have good time. This guy had, uh, I think, two kids, a wife, a family. Fifty-three years old by no means is an older man. Uh, you know, really, he's middle-aged, but not an old guy. And even if he was an old guy, who cares? He was ninety-nine years old. You go to a game to watch a game. I mean, I got to admit, I get a little excited, as you probably know, at the you games, and know. I get a little loud, and you know, I get, I get some people upset. But I would never. In my wildest dreams, throw a punch at an individual. I'd rather take one than throw one at a game. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah.
Yeah, and the studio's a different story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap, Big D. Well, more baseball scores. I got a couple of football stories. Great story about a Saints linebacker talking about, of all things, Jesus and using that platform to say some good things about life and, and, and about his daughter. And it was really a great story. I'll get into that a little bit later. I, I think I can envision you doing the moonwalk to try to throw someone off before <laughs> I see you throwing a punch. Like, exactly. Like, I, I just came in a... Moonwalk. Maybe came a James in, Brown split. Yeah, I came in picture <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, live from Studio 6B, Dr. Jim Thorpe from The Wellness Company. Coming up in the news with Delgado right after that. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b we're uh, efforting getting dr jim thorpe on hasn't haven't been able to reach him so we'll just continue on on a wednesday night 30 minutes past the hour glad you're a part of the show as always slick rick's going to do some more sports coming up delgado's going to do some news here in a second i uh, saw this because we talked to, i talked about the cbsu gov poll came out yesterday and uh part of that is uh, obviously independent voters. And I saw that the Daily Caller today has a headline, independent voters have a major concern that could sink Biden. And they took a look at independent voters. 43% of them believe that Joe Biden's age is a big problem. Actually, a bigger problem than former President Donald Trump's criminal charges in terms of fitness for the presidency. According to that September YouGov poll, 34% of independents are more concerned with Trump's criminal charges than Biden's age when it comes to their fitness for the presidency. Uh, Of the voting bloc, 70% are somewhat or very concerned about Biden's health and mental acuity. In the 2020 election, 52% of independents voted for Biden while 43% voted for Trump, according to the Pew Research Center. When it comes to the economy, 16% of independents believe it is in good or excellent condition. 16%. I don't know who those 16% are. It's like uh, Elon Musk, uh, and I don't don't know who those 16% are that think the economy is in good or excellent condition. Jeff Bezos. I think they're all named Biden. Yeah. 82% think it's in fair or poor condition. The YouGov poll states 25% of independents approve of how Biden has handled the economy in contrast to 70% who somewhat or strongly disapprove of how the president's handling of the economy. A majority of independents, 72%, also somewhat or strongly disapprove of how Biden has handled inflation. 22% of independents approve of how Biden has handled the issue of immigration, while 66% of the voting bloc somewhat or strongly disapproves of the border. 
The YouGov poll surveyed 1,700 U.S. adults from September 14th to September 18th with a margin of error of approximately 2.7%. While concerns about the president's age continue to increase, Biden defended his age during a recent speech in Philadelphia. Someone said, you know, Biden's getting old, he said. Well, guess what? The only thing that comes with age is a little bit of wisdom. I've been doing this longer than anybody, and guess what? I'm going to continue to do it with your help, he said. Well, okay, we'll see. That and the help of his wet nurse. Yeah. And uh, that poll is even worse than just those numbers that this article focused on, independence. Because when you look at – they asked a whole slew of questions. I went through the whole thing. just tells you where my life is at, (laughs) going through YouGov polls. But I went through it, and they asked about – qualities you want to see in the president and i mean across the board the numbers are awful for biden just absolutely awful and again are you better off than you were four years ago i still think is the central uh theme that most people will take into especially as we say you know we're starting to feel some of these hikes economy's going to get worse unemployment's going to go up people mm-hmm. are going to lose their jobs unfortunately you're probably looking at an unemployment rate by the election in the fours from a 3.6 that it's been, 3.7, I think it's ticked up now to 3.8. You're probably in an unemployment rate in the fours by the election. You're, you're probably at um, $5 gallon gasoline, if not higher. California. Some places in California is yeah. already seven, it's already cl- six fifty seven dollars Closing in on eight in some places. Oh, the taxes are And that's not even counting all the, uh, all the human feces you have to step through just to get to the gas station. Yeah. Right? You see these cities that wanted to be... Um, Sanctuary cities like New York, what they're doing now, just unsustainable. The border is, the numbers at the border are getting so out of control. 45,000 encounters in just three or four days. I heard Ben Berkwam giving some of the numbers. I mean, it's just unsustainable. We're going to have brought in more people illegally into this country that we could have a 51st state. I mean, we're going to have 10, 12 million people. I mean, so there's just nothing as we head into 24 that's in the president's, I mean, that's going in his favor, obviously. Yeah. Not, not, not even people that, uh, you know, there was a poll and I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I just heard, it, I was listening to the radio today and somebody mentioned the poll that said uh, it's now close to 60%, I think 58 or 59% of Americans polled don't think that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. So... <laughs> I mean, if if you've ever doubted, hey, you know, do people actually think there could be some hanky-panky in the elections? Uh, most people, uh, we're starting to trend where a majority of the people now are looking at it like, yeah, there's no way this guy got 81 million votes. No. Let's do Representative so. Mike Johnson here. I know I want to get the news with Delgado, too, but I do want to get through some of these of this hearing today. Or do you want to do news, Delgado? Uh, we can do both. I'm, I'm looking forward to the hearing. There was some great stuff at the hearing. All right, let's do Representative Mike Johnson at the hearing today. This is the first, first line of questioning. Listen to the first two minutes, this, these questions and these answers. Roll that, Aaron. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Weiss, the rule of law does <clears throat> distinguish our country, but you have not upheld that. You have allowed the rule of law to erode, and that's why 65% of the people in this country have no faith in the Department of Justice under your leadership. They don't trust it. They don't trust you. The reason is because they're witnessing every day a politicized Justice Department in a two-tiered system of justice. For example, they see the DOJ, of course, aggressively prosecuting President Biden's chief political rival, Mr. Trump. 
while at the same time, they see slow walking and special treatment given to the president's son. That's just a fact that everybody can see with their own two eyes. I want to focus on that investigation of the Biden family. We have many important questions for you today about that. Let me, let me just get right to the chase. Has anyone from the White House provided direction at any time to you personally or to any senior officials at the DOJ regarding how the Hunter Biden investigation was to be carried out? No. Have you had personal contact uh, with like anyone Joe. at FBI the headquarters the about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, wow. Don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that there question, but the FBI Second works question. for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't, recollect, you don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I, I don't believe that I did. I promised the Senate when I came. Can you just hold it right um, there, Aaron? For yeah. I don't believe yeah. is, is, is someone who doesn't want to perjure themselves right there mm-hmm. and has to give themselves some kind of a blanket. You know, I, I don't think, I don't recall that I did. I don't recollect that I did. Right. I don't, as I said, the first answer he gave was the most direct answer he gave all day. Has anyone from the White House ever called? No. Have you ever spoke to anyone in the FBI? You, you could see the pause, the right. uncomfortable pause he took. Because he was searching for the right words uh, on how to lie. That, that's what liars do, right? Because as soon as, soon as you ask them something, then they like, um, uh, uh, especially after the first one. The first one is perfect because he just comes right out and says no, right? Second one, he's waffling. Sec- second yeah, one, he's waff, already waff. like, uh-oh. He's, he, he's already taken the first punch from, yeah, from Mike, Mike Tyson in the face. <laughs> We're at the Waffle yeah. House already. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're at the Waffle House already yeah, on right. question two. Yeah, he had a plan going in, and then he got punched in the mouth. At the end of this Mike Johnson from Louisiana's questioning, I saw um, from the Federalist, who I really like, she does great work over there, Chris, I can't remember her name right now, said, I've seen enough already. It, it's got to be an impeachment inquiry or nothing else. He's never going to give you any answers. Right. Go ahead, Aaron, continue. Information that I would leave Mr. Weiss in place and that I would not interfere with his investigation. Okay, did you ever... I have kept that promise. All right. Have you had personal contact with anybody at the Baltimore field office on the Hunter Biden matter? No. On July 10th, 2023, U.S. Attorney David Weiss told Senator Lindsey Graham, quote, I had discussions with departmental officials regarding potential appointment under 28 U.S.C. uh, Section 515, which would have allowed me to file charges in a district outside my own without the partnership of the local U.S. attorney, end quote. With whom did Mr. Weiss have those discussions? I'm not going to get into the internal deliberations of the department. Um, Oh, but you must, sir. This is important for us. We have oversight responsibility over your department, and we need these answers. It's appropriate and necessary for Mr. Weiss to have conversations with the department. I made clear that if he wanted to bring a case in any jurisdiction, he would be able to do that. The way you do that is to get an order signed by the Attorney General called a 515 order. I promised he would be able to do that, and he in his letters made clear he understood he would be able to do that. Okay. Can you tell us about any briefings or discussions that you personally have had with Mr. Weiss regarding any and all federal investigations of Hunter Biden? I'm going to say again. I promised the Senate that I would not interfere with Mr. Weiss. So you have not, I'm just under oath today, your testimony is you have not had any discussions with Mr. Weiss about this matter? Under oath, my testimony today is that I promised the the Senate I would not um, intrude in his investigation. I do not intend to discuss the internal Justice Department uh, deliberations, whether or not I had them. 
Oh, okay. So your, your testimony today is you're not going to tell us whether you've had discussions with Mr. Weiss. My testimony today Correct. is mm -hmm. I told the committee that I would not interfere. I made clear that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring cases that he thought were appropriate. Okay. Mr. Weiss is right. said that. Okay, let me stop you. For, for a second time, sir. Are you aware that FBI officials have come before this committee and they have stated that there was a cumbersome bureaucratic process that Mr. Weiss had to go through to bring charges in another judicial district? You know that? I'm not aware, but that's not true. There's nothing cumbersome about the process. So those whistleblowers are lying to us under oath? They're, those whistleblowers are lying? I didn't say that. Their, their description of the process cumbersome is an opinion. It's not a fact question. All I have to do is okay. sign a right. section. Let me get to the fact. Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018, correct? I'm sorry? Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018. Now, here's the question. He's been the lead the, prosecutor since he was appointed by President Trump. Okay. Oh, why? Let me ask you. Why okay, so has stop, the Justice Department... This, this came up multiple times. Right. Yeah. President Trump. The idea that this guy is appointed by President Trump in the true sense of what that what they want you to believe that means when they say it is preposterous. It's preposterous. Joe Biden owns Delaware. Delaware is where everything about an investigation of a Biden goes to die. We all know how this appointment happens. Goes to the Delaware. Biden owns Delaware. This guy's direct appointment of Joe Biden, not Donald Trump. And when they say that, it's misleading to make you believe that somehow this guy comes endorsed by the 45th president of the United States, which is preposterous. That's enough of him. Yeah, you know he, I mean? he, he was actually appointed. It's called a blue slip. Yeah. That's that's a technical term. Uh, the process allows senators to indicate their support for or opposing judicial nominees in the home state. While both Democratic senators from Delaware supported Weiss's nomination, his appointment was relatively non-controversial, uh, according to this. Um, and, and again, it was done and, and Trump didn't want him. But according to this process called the uh, all Biden's guys in Delaware, every one of them. Yeah. David Weiss was picked by two Democratic senators from Delaware under blue slip. So that's how he got in. Yeah, not by President Trump going, ooh, let's put David Weiss in. Right. This guy's done nothing but run cover, and Delaware as a whole has done nothing but run cover for the Biden family. All right, more uh, interviews, more news, sports all coming up. Six B. We got a lot. I got a lot more from the hearing with uh, Ropadope today. We'll get to that. 
We'll get to some more sports. Let's start this segment with some news. We haven't done any news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on in the news? All right. Well, speaking of uh, President Biden, who was in New York, he gave uh, Bronx. Um, well, he gave he gave the Bronx cheer, I should say, to New York City as he snubs fellow Democrat Mayor Adams yesterday as the migrant crisis surges hmm. in New York City. President Biden, of course, was visiting the uh, U.N. General Assembly and we played his uh, uh, crippling uh, this. this distorted speech yesterday, uh, the country's commander-in-chief, instead of spending any time with New York City mayor, instead spent much of his time attending multiple campaign receptions or holed up in the U.N. headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. This coming from uh, New York Post, just four blocks from the city's overrun migrant intake center at the once iconic Roosevelt Hotel, Adam is making it clear um, Yesterday, that everybody knows why I am here. He sniffed to reporters about Biden's visit. I'm hoping that he understands that this beautiful city, that that's the economic engine of the entire country, is being saddled with the two billion dollars that we already spent, five billion dollars we're going to spend in a fiscal crisis, and twelve billion dollars in the next two budgetary cycles. New York doesn't deserve this, he said. The asylum seekers don't deserve this. And so while he's here, I think that they should really reflect on New York City has more than done its part, according to the mayor. Biden, of course, snubbed him and has yet uh, shown that there's a deepening rift between him and Adams, who he once dubbed the Biden of Brooklyn and the president's favorite mayor as the escalating humanitarian crisis batters the city and the country. Uh, city, Ho uh, city Hall source admitted to the Post on Tuesday that it's a terrible look and the president has been on the ground in Gotham for three days, uh, starting Monday through Wednesday, and uh, he hasn't... Uh, uh, hasn't taken any time to meet with Mayor Adams. So there you have it. Didn't he with, blow uh, off Hochul, too, recently when she went down to D.C.? Yep. Yeah. Hey, not he, feeling the New York love. He blew off Hochul. He's blowing off the mayor. He doesn't want yeah. to talk about the migrant crisis. Wow. And then last night, I don't know if you saw any of the coverage in Staten Island, police were uh, police were were. were playing pretty hard with the protesters who are trying to stop some of these migrants from being uh, dumped over into a, I think it was a nursing home. They're using an old nursing home to house these migrants in Staten Island. And the people that actually live there and pay taxes and are citizens don't want it, but yet they're, they're, the, the police are delivering a heavy hand. Police are roughing up the citizens. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, it's un let's face it, it's unfortunate. Mm. Yep. Anyhow, um, did you see, by the way, I don't know if you have this in your news. Did you see this? This comes from the old, the shocker. Who could have seen this coming? That Project Veritas is officially out of business. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. <laughs> well, we announced, I think it was last month, when they fired just about everybody except for a few uh, people in the personnel area and the lady running it who was, uh, I guess, just destroying it from the inside. Yes, they suspend all operations effectively today, I believe. Yeah, so... There Shock, you big shocker. No, not really. Um, and here's a big shocker. Uh, new mental health courts in California where judges are going to be able to mandate treatment. <laughs> hey, only in California. Um, yeah, it turns out, check this out. This is this is an interesting concept. The first time Heidi Sweeney, it said here, began hallucinating, the voices in her head told her that Orange County's Huntington Beach was where she would be safe. There, behind the bikini-clad clouds, playing volleyball and riding beach cruisers, she slept in homeless encampments, then beside a bush 
outside a liquor store where she drank vodka to drown out the din that she could only hear. For years, she refused help. And, uh, well, if that doesn't compel you to get some help, well, it's California to the rescue. rescue. Uh, according to um, According to this article from NPR... Um, California's new civil care courts will launch this fall in eight counties, including San Francisco, L.A., and Orange County, followed by the rest of the state in 2024. Under the new system, family members and first responders can ask county judges to order people with psychotic illness into treatment, even if they are not unhoused or haven't committed a crime. So basically, they can... Sounds like a new version of a red flag law. (laughs) Scoop you up and throw you away. A judge will then determine if the person meets the criteria for a program and may oversee a care care agreement or compel a treatment plan. Compel means force. Um, That treatment plan could even include involuntary commitment, which means you're locked up against your will. The bill creating the program sailed through the state legislature, which was, of course, not a surprise, uh, with near-unanimous support amid growing frustration from voters over the state's increasing number of homeless people, even as it drew vehement opposition from disability groups who argued care courts, Hallmark, compelling people who have done nothing wrong into mental health care is a violation of their civil rights. And, of course, they'll determine if you're crazy or not. So if you're if you're a Trump supporter, Guess what? They'll probably determine you're crazy and will want to lock you up. Yeah, so Ronald Reagan state. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> Poor Just unbelievable. Amazing stuff. All right. We'll do some more news with Delgado in a little bit. Let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B when you shop there. 10 to 50, 60% off most of Mike's great items. We have our own page there. Obviously, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B will bring you to all the best deals for this audience. And if you do use our code, forward your receipt that you get from MyPillow, your confirmation email, send it to LFS6B at Yahoo.com and give us your size. And we'll send you out the shirt of the month absolutely free, which this month is the did not comply, will not comply uh, T-shirt and uh, just give us your size and we'll send that out to you. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, well, it's still following this Sergio Brown story, which is getting more and more wild. And search for ex-NFL player Sergio Brown police eye Instagram videos. This is an AP report from earlier today. Maywood, Illinois. Police in suburban Chicago are checking on the authenticity of an Instagram videos that appear to show missing NFL player Sergio Brown discussing the recent death of his mother, who died following an assault. Brown, 35, is still considered the missing person. Maywood Police spokesman Cameron uh, Rivera said in an email Tuesday, acknowledging police were aware of the videos and were investigating. Rivera did not immediately return messages Wednesday seeking an update. In a video posted Monday to an Instagram page that appears to belong to Sergio Brown, a man resembling Brown calls reports about the death of his 73-year-old mother, Myrtle Brown, fake news. Uh, fake news, fake news, fake news. It has to be the FBI, the man says in the rambling expletive-filled video in which he says he thought his mother was on vacation in the Mexican state of Sinaloa. Uh, in another video posted to his Instagram story Tuesday, the man referenced the film Finding Nemo, repeating the movie's famous line, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, the Chicago Tribune reported. The story's getting weird. Uh, Myrtle Brown's body was found Saturday near a creek behind her home in Maywood, about 12 miles west of Chicago. Relatives had told police they could not locate her or Sergio Brown. The Cook County Medical, Exam- Medical Examiner's Office ruled um, Myrtle Brown's death a homicide 
testified Sunday, saying she was injured during an assault. Police said Sunday they were trying to find Sergio Brown and asked anyone with information on his whereabouts to contact them. Sergio Brown, who graduated from Proviso East High School in Maywood, played college football for Notre Dame. Before his time with the NFL, he played defensive back from 2010 through 2016 with the New England Patriots, Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Buffalo Bills. So he had a pretty, you know, healthy career there. So uh, it just looks more and more like there's something going on with that young man, Big D. But awfully crazy story. And uh, bad news for Giant fans, but not too bad. They're not losing them for the year. But Giants, Saquon Barkley ruled out versus 49ers due to ankle injury. This is Jordan Rainin of ESPN. Tempe, Arizona, New York Giants star running back. Saquon Barkley has been ruled out for Thursday night's matchup tomorrow night, guys, against the San Francisco 49ers because of an ankle injury. Barkley suffered injury late in New York's comeback victory Sunday over the Arizona Cardinals. And a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter this week that the two-time Pro Bowler was expected to miss three weeks. Barkley was projected with a did-not-practice designation since New York conducted only walkthroughs during the short week. So the long and short of it is that Giants go play the Niners tomorrow night. They're uh, underdogs by 10 points. I think it's very pivotal in their season that they have a good game. I'm going to take the Niners tomorrow night, Big D. I'm going to lay the chalk, and uh, I think that's going to be a blowout. Oh, we're getting an odds-maker's pick wow. early yeah, you're here. you're getting the odds bigger, bigger. Oh. That's it. So that's it. Aaron's got to check her numbers and see what she wants to do, but <laughs> I'm not with the Giants. That's a wrap. All right, live from Studio 6B. Quick hour, one hour, two. Lots to pack in. Garland hearing news, sports. We'll do it all when we get back right after this. Live from Studio 6B, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's going to do the news. More to get to. We'll get to more of the Garland hearing today. We've got some fiery exchanges coming up that we'll get to as well. Um, we'll get to news. A couple other things to get to as well. We've been talking about... Um, because she should not be let off the hook. And that, of course, is Pelosi. When it comes to January 6th, of course, the great John Solomon really started this reporting with his instrumental uh, interview of, of former Captain Stephen Sund when all of this was, before any of it was popular to talk about, John was interviewing him in that interview he did where we got all that information. And now it continues to trickle out more and more over the last year or so and we've continually talked about what did she know when did she know it what did marble mouth know and when did he know it and why are the two of them getting a pass and then of course the report came out from the um that republican committee that i believe jordan and a couple others were on clearly laying the security blame 
really more at her feet than we had ever seen before. Well, Stephen's son is out today again. Uh, this time, Carrie Pickett in the Washington Times, where I believe John Solomon used to also write for before Just the News, has an interview, I believe, with Stephen's son. Well, the headline of her article is Former Capitol Police Chief Blames Pelosi for January 6th Security Failures. Nancy Pelosi was among the key players whom former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen A. Sun said is responsible for the breakdown in security that led to the riot at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Mr. Sun testified before the House Administration Oversight Committee yesterday and told lawmakers that at the time of the attack, he learned that then-Speaker Pelosi never wanted the National Guard deployed. Is everybody at NBC in the morning shows on Sunday listening? As she goes on there, oh, it's not true, it's not true. According to Mr. Sun, on January 3rd, 2021, he talked to the House Sergeant-at-Arms, Paul Irving, and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Michael Stanger, about calling in the National Guard. He was told by Mr. Stanger that he should ask Majority General William Walker, who was the commander of the D.C. National Guard, how quickly his troops could deploy to the Capitol complex if necessary. Mr. Sun yesterday in his testimony said that four months after the riot, Mr. Stanger told him Ms. Pelosi did not want the Guard on Capitol grounds that day. I said, Mr. Stanger, you came up with that response fairly quickly for me to call General Walker. And he told me Paul Irving had called him ahead of time and said, son came up here asking for the National Guard. We've got to come up with another plan. Pelosi will never go for it. I was floored by him saying that, he said. According to Mr. Sun, on the day when a pro-Trump mob stormed the Capitol and disrupted Congress's certification of President Biden's win, he contacted Mr. Irving at 12.58 p.m. and requested they call in the National Guard. He was fully aware of just how bad it was outside, Sun said in his testimony yesterday, and I did not get an approval. He said Mr. Irving said he would run it up the chain, quote-unquote, to get approval. Final approval, which Mr. Sun interpreted as getting from Mrs. Pelosi, well, she's responsible for the security at the Capitol, ultimately, was not received for another 71 minutes. Mr. Sun resigned on January 16th after Mrs. Pelosi called for him to step down from his post and blamed him, blamed him for not securing the Capitol. He maintains that he called the National Guard six times for three days before the attack, but they never deployed. Republican lawmakers excoriated Mrs. Pelosi and Mr. Irving for making Mr. Sun the scapegoat about that day. None of us in the room are saying what happened on January 6th was correct, but I absolutely believe the conditions for that to occur rests at the former speaker's lap. And those two sergeant-at-arms are complicit with the other individuals, said Representative Greg Murphy of North Carolina. It's one thing for something to occur, but it's another thing to create the conditions for that thing to occur. 
Representative Norma Torres of California, the top Democrat on the panel, turned the panel's attention to former President Donald Trump's involvement in spurring the attack. Well, of course, of course, because what else can they talk about? Nothing. House Republican leaders promised to scrutinize the defunct Democratic House-run January 6th Select Committee from the last Congress, which GOP lawmakers say botched a proper after-action report by politicizing the investigation and not focusing on preventing future security breaches. It is still my contention that she knew damn well what she was was and was not doing that day to not only set the conditions, but probably hoping that that they would get exactly what they got, knowing how it would ultimately reflect on the president. Meanwhile, she never called the president that day, and she's never been asked about it. Why didn't you call down the other side of town and say, Mr. President, Cash Patel and others tell us that he had already ordered the 10,000. Stephen Sun says as well, and they never showed. Mm. So I don't know what words you want to call that, set up or anything else, but it sure sounds to me like that's exactly what Pelosi did here. She knew the conditions that they were setting. She knew they were un- under undermanned. She knew that they weren't, um, the police that even were there, according to Stephen Sun, didn't have the the weapons or the materials that they would need to to properly be able to fight off any kind of a crowd of this size. There was all kinds of intel that say this day could get out of hand that never got to the chief, as he said. And yet here we are. So just another hearing Another moment in time to remember, really, who has really gotten off the hook here and never had to answer any serious questions about this day, which is Pelosi and maybe to a lesser degree, but not much. Which, of course, now you could never question them because you won't get, <laughs> you won't get anything but out of them. Jump the cables, please. Yeah. <laughs> Clear. Clear. You think about what the J6, these sentences that are being handed down. Not only that, but they've been in jail ever since they got, uh, they've been in jail, some of them uh, close to three years now. Yeah, wow. Without that's, without a trial being held. And, and, and we're supposed to be placated by the, oh, they got Ray Epps on a uh, uh, trespassing charge. Woo. Well. Let's play Thomas Ma- let's play Thomas Massey here because he addresses that. This is Representative Massey today at the Garland hearing. Roll that. Attorney General Garland, Elon Musk was a Democrat who admittedly supported Biden, but then he became a critic of the administration and exposed the censorship regime. Now per public reports, the DOJ has opened not one but two investigations of Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, spent $400 million in 2020 tilting the elections secretly for Democrats. No investigations whatsoever. To the American public, these look like mafia tactics. You pay your money, we look the other way. You get in our way, we punish you. The American public sees what these tactics are. Now I want to direct your uh, attention to a video here that we're going to play. 
Uh, obviously, that's a significant matter. It is an ongoing criminal investigation, and so I'm not going to comment on an ongoing criminal investigation. Were, were those pipe bombs operable? Again, I mean, again. The ATF is the expert. Again, it's an ongoing and criminal investigation and under longstanding policy, I cannot comment. And we, As you know, this is a very active, ongoing investigation and there are some restrictions on that, but we yes, will we can handle classified on. information it's, and we fund your department and so you need to provide that. I, it's not, respectfully, it's not an issue of classification. It's an issue of commenting on ongoing criminal investigations, which is something that by longstanding department policy, we are restricted in doing. And in fact, the last administration actually strengthened those policies, partly That's because- That's not our policy though, and we fund you. So let's move on. I could, do you know how- So I'm not gonna violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not gonna comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Peter, Nav Peter Navarro was indicted for contempt of Congress. Aren't you, in fact, in contempt of Congress when you give us this answer? This is an answer that's appropriate at a press conference. It's not an answer that's appropriate when we are asking questions. We are the committee that is responsible for your creation, for your existence, of your department. You cannot continue to give us these answers. Aren't you, in fact, in contempt of Congress when you refuse to answer? Congressman, I have the greatest respect for Congress. I also have the greatest respect for the Constitution and laws of the United States. Um, the protection of pending uh, investigations and ongoing investigations, as I briefly discussed in another uh, dialogue a few moments ago, goes back to the separation of powers, which gives to the executive branch the sole authority to conduct prosecutions. Um, it's a requirement of due process and uh, respect for those who are under investigation, the protection of their civil rights. So well, with all, with, all due, with, with all due respect, respect with all due respect to that, uh, Iran-Contra was an ongoing investigation, and that didn't stop Congress from getting the answers. And you're getting in the way of our constitutional duty. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to cite it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video... That was your answer to a question to me two years ago, when I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol? Can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. <laughs> You've I don't know whether there are any. <laughs> What a lie. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that Ooh. there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find out. And the day, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman Jordan. Yeah, I, Dang. Boom. That was fire. Nice. Live from Studio 6B. A couple more of those. More news and sports all coming up.
sounds like the blues right there. Let me talk to you about our friends over at Birch Gold. Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. That is why Birch Gold is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text America right now to 989898 and get your free information kit on gold. Birch Gold has uh, thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. You can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text America to 989898 and claim your free information kit from our friends at Birch Gold. Do it today. All right, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. Use our code LFS6B for 20% off. What's going on, Rick Delgado? Sorry, I'm just enjoying Congresswoman Victoria Sparks uh, <laughs> from, from today's testimony. You like it. I, I like the voice. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you there, Damon. Uh, I think I, she's from Russia, I she's believe. She's from Russia, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's she basically nice. said to him, you know, I feel like uh, I'm kind of back in the old... Uh, country <laughs> he equated him to, to Merrick Garland sound like he's he's running the KGB yeah interesting so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sit down and watch that again because she 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 makes me smile um hey uh, I don't know if you heard about this this coming from uh John Solomon who you mentioned just a little while his his website just the news seems here that feds thwarted a probe into possible criminal violations involving the 2020 Biden campaign. What a surprise. Do, do you feel surprised that the feds would get involved and stop an investigation into, into wrongdoing by the uh, election campaign of Joe Biden? Of course not. The FBI and IRS probed allegations that Joe Biden's 2020 presidential campaign may have benefited from campaign finance criminal violations by allowing a politically connected lawyer to help pay off Hunter Biden's large tax debts. But agents were blocked. What a surprise by federal prosecutors from uh, further action, according to new information uncovered by congressional investigators. And the hits just keep on coming. The previously unreported campaign finance inquiry was first alluded to in transcribed interviews by House investigators by two IRS agents and a retired FBI supervisor. And the allegations since have been augmented in recent weeks by new evidence uncovered by the House and Ways and Means Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, and the House Oversight Committee. That evidence includes a case summary memo written by IRS Supervisory Criminal Investigator Gary Shapley, who we've seen testify, to his bosses dated May 3rd of 2021. So this is a couple of years old, in which he alleged that Leslie Wolf, a top prosecutor in the Hunter Biden case inside Delaware uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss's office, waived agents off of the campaign finance case. Shapley provided the information to Congress under the protections of the whistleblower laws and lawmakers 
voted the information to be public. This investigation, uh, it says here, has been hampered and slowed by claims of potential election meddling. Shapley wrote in the memo, according to his now public transcribed interview, through interviews and review of evidence obtained, it appears there may have been campaign finance criminal violations. Uh, House Judiciary Committee uh, Chairman Jim Jordan uh, told Justin News on Tuesday night uh, that the campaign finance inquiry is a newer matter under investigation by his committee, but it fits a pattern of other investigative avenues ranging from search warrants to interviews that were inexplicably turned down by prosecutors in the Hunter Biden case. He goes on to uh, quote here, we're just getting into this issue now and the concerns, but it wouldn't surprise me if we were told uh, if they were told to stand down, because remember, this investigation over a five year uh, time frame has been slow walked. So more and the, like I said, the hits just keep on coming. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like there was uh, no no crime. The Biden uh, family wasn't willing to uh, to engage in. It seems like they're. Well, why would you when you got everybody running protection for you? Why why, why not? It's insane. Why not? Crazy. And speaking of some more coming out of the White House, or at least the administration, uh, today the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas um, announced the establishment of the Home Intelligence Experts Group. Now, you oh, mentioned this good. yesterday. Yeah, good. Who's, yes. uh, who's on the old panel there? <laughs> you want to see some of the names? Oh, sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, the expert group uh, members are the following. John Brennan. I feel oh, like I've, I've heard okay, that good. Uh, James Clapper. Uh, of course. <laughs> oh, Brennan and Clapper. Yeah, bring them back. Yeah. Emily Harding, a senior fellow and deputy director at the International Security Program uh-huh. for Strategic and International Studies. That sounds like a long title for garbage. Um, there's a bunch of names here uh, that I didn't have a chance to start doing a little. Uh, I like to do a little digging and see what their background is. Um, but it's in- interesting because this uh, this group has been put together. The group is comprised of private sector, it says here, experts who will provide their unique perspectives. Yeah, like 51 experts. Remember that number? Yes. Yeah. On the federal government's intelligence enterprise, DHS, INA, and the Office of Counterterrorism Ter- Coordination. It says here, and I quote, this is from uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, the secretary, the, the security of the American people depends on our capacity to collect, generate, and disseminate actionable intelligence to our federal, state, local, and territorial and tribal campus and private sector partners. I express my deep gratitude to these distinguished individuals for dedicating their exceptional expertise, experience, yeah. and vision to our critical mission of taking over the country. Of peddling nonsense yes. and hoaxes, because that's what they're actually best at, especially those two, peddling nonsense and hoaxes, as they did for years, and of course, fraudulently starting that whole 51, signing that 51 expertise uh, letter yes. on the Hunter Biden laptop. That's those. That's these two. And as Katie Pavlich pointed out, there's about a quarter of a million people that work at the DHS uh, and you're telling me we had to get Brennan and Clapper back? It's like, hello. <laughs> do, you need, do, you, do you need any more to know what's going on here? We had to go back to those two. I mean, it's like, it's just so in your face. Like, just double middle finger. Like, screw you. Yeah, it's almost like they got to let, let's bring everybody in and try to make sure this cover up is complete. And we need the best liars we can. On the case. And Brennan and Clapper, just like Pelosi on about the January 6th, never, ever have had to sit down and answer any serious questions about 
all the lying that the two of them did. Never. They never find their way to have to get questioned anything. And now, here we go. Falling, failing and falling upwards into other things. We can just never get rid of these people. Mm-hmm. Nope. They're coming back for more. Yep. They, they, they need to grift a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Never enough. Uh, one last. Uh, do I have time for this? Let's see. I'll, yeah. I'll try to get it in. Uh, it turns out, according to CNN, Latinos who don't speak Spanish uh, are getting shamed for it. Not at all. Um, <laughs> what did Senator Ted Cruz, Oscar-winning actress uh, Ariana DeBose, and the puzzle kid stumbling for an answer to a question have in common? They're all Latinos who have been shamed for the way they speak or don't speak Spanish. The issue regularly emerges in debates online and even on stage during presidential primary season. About half of U.S. Latinos who don't speak Spanish, it says here, have been shamed because of it, they say. According to the uh, study that says, noting 54% of Latinos who speak no more than a little Spanish say another Latino has made them feel bad for it. Boo hoo. The experience is more common for younger Latinos aged 18 to 49 who sometimes carry on a conversation with little or no Spanish at all. At the same time, the study found that no more than three quarters of Latinos say it's not necessary to speak Spanish to be considered Latino. So there you have it. I don't know. I guess this is the kind of garbage you get from CNN, but it's garbage that I found hey. in my uh, in, on my computer. All right, sports with Slick Rick. Okay. Jeff Drew from New Jersey. And speaking of New Jersey, there's breaking news out of New Jersey tonight about Robert Menendez. We'll get to that as well. He doesn't speak Spanish either. Live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b i want to get to representative jeff drew and i want to try to get to matt gates i also have troy nels and kevin kiley who were also excellent today would really stuck it to uh but i don't have time to get to all of them but let's do sports and then we'll do jeff fran drew and then we'll do matt gates slick what's going on in sports all right one more round the major league baseball scores big d angels over the Rays, eight three bottom eight also bottom eight the mets are beating them all in seven to two Blue Jays blanking the Yankees, three zip, bottom of the eighth. The Yankees just about ready to mail it in. Have big shut up. Uh, Pirates eleven to six over the Cubs, bottom of the sixth. Bottom seven. Brewers lead the Cardinals four to one. And finals from earlier tonight, I already gave you, so I'm not going to repeat them again. Uh, but let's get into this. You know, sports gets a bad rap, and rightfully so, with all these woke athletes and all these you know transbenders and everything else that's going on in sports. That we've had enough, and I get it. But there are some good guys too. Let's be honest. I mean, we got some of these players that stand up for what they believe in. They're not all Capper Neilers. And uh, I love this story. It was on Outkick and also Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart. The word says who Jesus is. Saints, the Mario Davis delivers a miraculous, faith-filled message oh, I during this. NFL. Pre- I got to run this big D. It's a little long, but let me roll with this. Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart. In a day and age where professional athletes increasingly use their platforms to expo- espouse divisiveness and political agendas, Saints linebacker Demario Davis stands apart. He stands apart from all that because Davis uses his platform to talk about 
God. Hey, all original, right? Uh, you can be forgiven for not knowing about it. If Davis had been talking about police brutality or trans rights, you most certainly would have heard more about it. But for the last two weeks, Davis has used his time with the media to talk about the miraculous healing power of prayer and how God can intervene in the lives of those who hold him dear. A fact Davis and his wife know all too well after their daughter, Carly Faith, suffered a terrifying epileptic seizure before the season opener. Here's the story Davis shared with the media before the first game of the season. On Friday, my daughter, she's four years old, she had her third epilepsy seizure attack, Davis told reporters, before the Saints win against Tennessee. She started to foam at the mouth. It was her worst seizure. For 30 minutes, she seized. She wouldn't come back, and we all had to call the paramedics. We got to the hospital, and my wife told me my daughter stopped breathing in the car twice, so I'm, of course, praying. Davis continued. They gave her a bunch of medicine. The seizure stopped. She's laying there, and at this point, you start to fear there could be a development issues. It could be a mess with her brain. You know uh, she stopped breathing. There was no oxygen to her brain. You start thinking, could her speech be slurred or worse? So we prayed and we prayed. My wife and I had to stay overnight at the hospital in the middle of the night, probably about 3 o'clock. I heard a knock, and the knock was my daughter. I prayed for her. Uh, I prayed, God, let this be just an attack from the enemy and let him have overplayed his hand and let my daughter come back stronger than before. It seems that the enemy had indeed overplayed his hand. I heard my daughter talk in the middle of the night, Davis said. She woke up talking clear than she was talking before. Anyone dealing with epilepsy knows usually it takes a few days for them to come back. They're groggy, but she was clearer than before. And I started crying. Praise God. Praise God. The next morning, my daughter was just so sharp. My daughter already sharp, but she was sharper than before. The star linebacker then put some miraculous uh, events, put the miraculous events in perspective, emphasizing how God's help is readily available to those who lay it before the Lord. Good line. Uh, when we leave this game, Davis continued, we go back to being regular people. And regular people are living life and people are waiting for a knock and the word says Jesus is knocking at the door all you got to do is get up and I just want people to know if you got uh, if you got stuff going on in your life lay it before the Lord Davis followed up with the incredible message with another uh, after the Saints victory over the Panthers on Monday night well I wasn't going to preach today I wasn't going to do that Davis told reporters but if I didn't then I would not be being obedient I told the Lord today that if I went back to the podium I would make sure to praise him and the proper way the last time I was up here God did an extraordinary work through me uh, with that, I owe proper praises to God. It had little to do with me and everything to do with him, so I have to be obedient. And he just goes on to detail about how his daughter's doing. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, what a great story about a man talking about Jesus, not ashamed to stand up there with all these woke athletes. So far, this guy's doing the right thing, and I had to get that story out. And in my book, Demario Davis, mm-hmm. he's truly a saint in every sense of the word. And that's now, a rapid now, sports where are all the uh, sports reporters and people attacking him for his, his uh, outward faith? Right. Uh, well, are, are they anywhere? Because I remember a, a certain guy used to kneel uh, after he scored yeah. and, you know, show his uh, his his religious side and people lost their freaking minds. Yep. You remember he, he played for University of Florida. Mm-hmm. Won, won the Heisman. Great Tim Tebow. Yeah, the great Tim Tebow. Great Tim Tebow. Yeah, and people you know, lost their minds because he he was he was outward about his faith. This guy's outward about his faith, but I don't I don't see anybody attacking. Nah, because him. you know why? That's why I read from Breitbart. If you notice, that's where I, most of my sports reports come, and it puts a spin on it the way our audience and the way we see it in life, and not the other way. But the other media outlets, ESPN's not going to report this. You know that, Rick. They don't want to hear about a, a a football player as great as he is. Four, five-time Pro Bowler, won a couple of Super Bowls, great with the Ravens. They don't want to hear from this guy at all because he's talking about the Lord, which is really wrong. So well, I had to read that. If he had that coach 
who did the team prayer that yep. uh, yes. got fired and he sued and the courts upheld it and vote you know and he now he's got his job back and yeah. you heard about it on this a show couple but things happen yeah. yeah but not you didn't hear about anywhere else you hear it on our show and you know through Breitbart and and, and and nice conservative media outlets like that just the news has some sports stories so anyway big day I wanted to get that in thank you for that yeah uh, it's a nice story very good um, let's do Matt Gates uh, Matt Gates is always fire in these. And uh, today was no exception. And here's how you know he was good, because Geraldo afterwards uh, tweeted that uh, Matt Gates is a rude, obnoxious guy or something like that. Ah, From the rude, obnoxious guy known as Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, Yeah, how's uh, Al Capone doing? Here's uh, here's Gates' exchange (laughs) with Merrick Garland. Roll that. I guess I'm just wondering, Mr. Attorney General, has anyone at the department told President Biden to knock it off with Hunter? I mean, you guys are charging Hunter Biden on some crimes, investigating him on, on others. You've got the president bringing Hunter Biden around to state dinners. Has anyone told him to knock it off? Our job in the Justice Department is to pursue our cases without reference uh, to what's happening in the outside world. But just yes or no, have you done that? That is what we do. So it's a no? No one that I know of has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering then. Okay, I got it, I got it. So Hunter Biden is selling <laughs> art. good to pay for his $15,000 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that the people buying that art aren't doing so to gain favor with the president? The job of the Justice Department is to investigate criminal allegations. You have information. Are you investigating this? I mean, someone who bought Hunter Biden's art ended up with a prestigious appointment to a federal position. Doesn't it look weird that he's making he's become this immediate success in the art world as his dad is president of the United States? Isn't that odd? I'm not going to comment about any specific Not going to comment, not going to investigate. So right. Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped doing that? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Hunter Biden <laughs> associate Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then-Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped? I'm going to say again that all these matters are within the purview of Mr. Weiss. I have not interfered with them, and yeah, I do not... Yeah, but if you were confident that he had stopped, you could And I do not intend to interfere with him. I want to... So it was a lot of Chinese money that was working its way through these shell companies into the accounts of the Biden family. So the China initiative was set up during the Trump administration at the Department of Justice to go after the malign influence of, of the Chinese Communist Party. And the Biden Justice Department dissolved the China initiative. So I guess I'm wondering, does the department have any documents uh, that would detail the basis for why you got rid of the China initiative that President Trump had set up? The Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division gave a long speech which explained that. He has testified before Congress several times. We'd be happy to provide you with... What's the, the basis? Just tell us all now. What, what, why was the China initiative dissolved? What, uh, uh, the, what the Assistant Attorney General said was that we face attacks from four nation states. North Korea, China, Russia and Iran, and we need to focus our attention on the broad range of these attacks. Sometimes we but, don't but wait know. A second. You don't, are you saying that North Korea has the same malign influence risk to the United States as the <laughs> Chinese Communist Party? Are you, are you trying to represent there's some parity there? Because here's what it looks like. It looks like the Chinese 
gave all this money to the Bidens, and then you guys came in and got rid of the China Initiative, and it was successful. Like, I, I saw one rationale that you guys got rid of the China Initiative because it was racial profiling. But, but one of the people you convicted was a guy named Charles Lieber, who was a Harvard professor taking $50,000 a month to do China's bidding and give them whatever research was being done. Are, are you aware of the millions of dollars that moved through Rob Walker's shell companies from Chinese Communist Party entities into Biden family bank accounts? Are you aware of that? There were a lot of questions that you just asked. Let me start with the first one about North Korea. North Korea is a dangerous actor, both kinetically and with respect to cyber. But not on par with China. I'm on I'm the not, Armed Services I'm not in the business right General. now. It's, ma- okay, it's, it I makes you look unserious to suggest may that. May I answer your question or not? Answer the question about whether or not you know about all the millions of dollars that so moved you don't to want Rob me Walker's to answer into- about North Korea? I already know the answer, and so does everyone. They're not the same risk as China. So let's get on to serious questions and serious answers. Do you know about the money that moved through Rob Walker's shell companies, yes or no? As I have said repeatedly, I have left these matters to Mr. Weiss. I've not intruded, I've not interfered, I've not tried to find out what he knows. It's like you're looking the other way on purpose because everybody knows this stuff's happening. And you know what, people don't pay bribes to not get something in return. Right. The the China initiative resulted in the convictions of a Harvard professor, of someone at Monsanto. So we were working against the Chinese. They paid the Bidens. And now now you're sitting here telling me that North Korea is the big threat. I got to get to this one thing on January. So did the FBI FBI lose count of the number of paid informants on January 6th? Let me you, answer your question about China. I China want you to answer this question. Most, I only get five minutes. You've already you, sort of, I think, threw the pooch on China. So January 6th, did you lose count of the number of federal assets? Did you lose count in order an audit? Gentlemen's time has expired. I, I get an answer oh, to the wait. question of did, he, did they lose count? Well, let him answer the question. The time has expired. The, the Attorney General can respond. China is the most aggressive, most dangerous adversary the United States faces, and we are doing everything within our power to rebut that, to stop that, to prevent their invasions, both kinetic, both um, and through cyberspace. And we will continue. If, you, if to do someone that. gave that answer in your courtroom when you were a judge, you would tell them they were being Mr. non-responsive, Chairman, and you would direct them to answer the question. Point of order, Your Honor. What's amazing about that? is this ability that unfortunately he has to say, well, that's all in the purview of uh, David Weiss. I don't know. That's like Steve. That's like, um, who's the guy who runs Apple? That, that fellow that runs that out. Tim Cook. It's like Tim Cook saying, well, uh, you know, Rick Delgado runs the iPhone 15 release. I had no idea what it looked like before it came out. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's so absurd. He's the attorney general of the United States, yet he keeps pawning off all of these things that he absolutely has to know about as the guy where the buck absolutely stops. Keeps saying, well, that's in the purview of David Weiss. It's so absurd, the rope-a-dope from this guy. Right. It's almost like Bud Light, right? Because, oh, well, we didn't know what they were going to come up with, and they did this, and and they did this whole thing <clears throat> with the transgender dude. Um, but we knew nothing about it. Yeah. But meanwhile, those decisions have to go through a process. You don't just – they don't just hand you the keys and go, go do what the hell you want uh, because, no, th- that's not the way this works. You, you have to – you have to got to sign off. Right. They, somebody on. has to sign off on this stuff. Come on. I it's mean, amazing. It's, just, it's crazy. so crazy that this guy's able to do this and able to get away with it. 
And it's just so cool. Like, he doesn't know. It's from Studio 6B, a little more sports and news before we wrap it up on a Wednesday night. from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Let's do some news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What else is going on? All right. Well, I got another story here from uh, John Solomon's Just the News. And uh, I'll couch it like this, Damon. Damon, I know you're a big fan of the governor of Florida. I'm a big fan as well. But this headline coming from John Solomon's Just the News uh, is concerning. And again, it plays into my theory. Uh, DeSantis falls to fifth place, fifth place in the New Hampshire CNN poll. Slip slide. Uh, Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis has lost considerable, considerable support in one of the key early Republican primary states, according to a recent CNN poll. In the latest CNN New ha- uh, University of New Hampshire survey, DeSantis earned 10% support among GOP-likely primary voters, meaning his support has more than halved in the Granite State since July when he had 23% support. The showing puts DeSantis in fifth place, fifth, behind, of course, uh, President Donald Trump at 39%, tech mogul Vivek Ramaswamy at 13 former U.S. Ambassador uh, Nikki Haley at 12 and this one I can't even wrap my head around, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, of all things. At 11, New Hampshire hosts a second nominating contest in the GOP primary, and the governor has typically polled well in the Granite State. In January of this year, he achieved 42% support in the University of New Hampshire survey, though his standing has steadily fallen throughout the campaign. And I, I, I don't know why. And again, when, when you look back at everything he's done, especially since, um, you know, he, he had that landslide victory, for his uh, second uh, second stint as governor, the guy has been an animal, and then all of a sudden he jumps into the presidential race, and it's almost like, is is he tanking on purpose? I don't know, but it just no. He, I, don't, I don't think one has to do with the other. He's, I mean, we knew President Trump had thirty five percent of the base locked up. I mean, no one thought this would be a cakewalk for anybody. No, I understand. Especially that. someone who's never run a campaign before. They have not run a great campaign. Uh, he doesn't connect with people the way Trump does at all. He's not that he doesn't come across as um, I don't want to say personable because I think he can come across personable, but he doesn't you don't feel like and again, I've never been in the room with Trump, but people say when you're in the room, every single person feels like they have some kind of connection with like he just commands the room. Right. He doesn't do that. DeSantis doesn't command the room. Not even close. No. And he doesn't connect like Trump would what Trump does. So. Yeah, but uh, it still doesn't explain how, how he falls behind some of these, uh, 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 behind Chris Christie New, of New all Hampshire people. Christie? First wow. of all, yeah, I mean, first of all let, let's be clear. All right. 
If he doesn't win Iowa, DeSantis, that is, or come very close and give some kind of surprise in Iowa. Don't matter. New Hampshire doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's over. It's over. The only way this thing has any juice whatsoever is if, some, if, if Iowa is somehow close. It does, after that, it doesn't matter. If Trump runs Iowa by 40 points, the whole thing is over. It doesn't make a difference. Right. No, I understand that. Say it's goodnight, just, Mary. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying I can't understand how a guy this strong in every other sense, as soon as he declares for the president, he's running for president, it just seems like he's tanking. And it's, it's, it can't be – you can say, well, he's never run for president before, but, but you know what? Neither is Vivek Ramaswamy, and he's at 13. Yeah, but, but honestly, I would say in some respects when Vivek talks, uh, you can connect much quicker with him than I think you can with DeSantis. But up until he jumped into into the presidential race, I think he did a really good job of connecting. He he, you know, in those in those press conferences, we played him. He would take these. But, uh, I these, mean, connecting uh, with who? The people of Florida? Yeah, with the people of Florida. Well, yeah, and, and, he's, think, and, and he still might. I mean, you can't. One has nothing to do with the job he did as the executive of Florida. I mean, he's he's the standard bearer for governors. Right. No, I understand that. You would think that that experience kind of transcends. It doesn't matter if you're from Florida or Texas or Arkansas. Your your concerns are are the same, and he'd he'd be able to make that connection. I, I don't know. Again, I go back to my theory. I think he's doing it on purpose, and uh, it, it, him and Trump are, are a secret alliance. Maybe, mm. but you're going up. You're going that. up against. You're going up against the greatest force that the Republican Party has had since Reagan. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So it it's, was never going to be. That's why these other people in the embrace are a joke. I mean, it's it's the McClellan. Yeah, DeSantis was the only one that we thought could make this interesting. Now, again, if the field flattens out a little bit, sharpens down, you still could get some movement. You have no idea how his abortion thing is going to run in Iowa, how it's going to have, a, if any, effect. Mm-hmm. But past that, it, none of this, nothing else matters. Because if he doesn't, if he's not competitive or win Iowa, it's over. It's yeah, but, over. But you know what? The, uh, and again, I, I'm harping on this a little bit because. I think we all agree. We see him as a as a flag bearer, right? We see him as somebody down the road that can continue what Donald Trump has started. And I feel like I mean, if we're interested in outcomes, yeah, I, I mean, you you want that momentum that once because he can only run one more time and, and get elected one more time. We're talking about Trump, so you need somebody in there who's going to come in, who's going to run to replace him, whether you know who the, who that VP person could be we don't know but you know somebody like DeSantis we're all holding up as like this is you know ready to coronate him as the next as the next uh, person in the, in that chair holding that office and Listen, it just as soon as we have a nominee everything that's happened so far is going to go bye-bye right. bye away go away no one's going to remember and now we're on to the next thing I know and don't hate me in the chat because I'm talking good about DeSantis he's a great governor and you know it so shut up the biggest um, critique I saw about DeSantis is that on the national stage he just does not have the charisma that Trump does mm-hmm. and that's what's keeping him down and it doesn't no one, seem like he can over, overtake that no no one has that nobody has that they all should have known that going in and they all should have known going in that he had 35% of the base locked up. There was nothing you were ever going to do about that. So none, none of them connect, and nor will they ever connect like Trump connects. Look at him today. Gives a speech, ends up at the bar. <laughs> he doesn't even drink. You can't put any of yeah, them in that drink. same situation and have them connect. He's the best. So, I mean. Uh, he's the best. Anyhow. I'm telling you. 
I don't know why people associate me liking the governor of Florida with all of a sudden not liking Trump. It's so not true. No, I know. You can you can do the, both. The, you get a he, bad rep he on He has that, been yeah. the absolute standard bearer for executives. We want every red state governor to govern like he has governed. Right. No one has pushed back, has been more antithetical to what the left is trying to do to our kids, to our lives, to our private property, to the Constitution, to everything than he has against vaccines, against everything else. I don't care what the argument is. There is nobody else. Yeah. He has pushed back on education. He has pushed back on science. He has pushed back on medicine. He has pushed back on CRT. He has pushed back on people protesting on the highway. He's pushed back on everything. Everything. You cannot point to another red state governor that has done what he has done, that has the track record that he has, period. Yeah, and that's why you see people flooding to, uh, you know, making their way to Florida because and, – and the people that live there. He won by 20 points. That's unheard of. Unheard of. Remember, he barely squeaked in to win as governor the first time. And then to win by 20 points is unheard of. So, right, let's do like little, I said, I'm just depressed that he's not do doing that. Let's do a little more uh, sports before we wrap it up oh, here. we only got a little time. Slick Rick, what else? Any right, well, sports? All right, we're getting ready for the odds makers, Big D. I'm already getting fired up. Uh, we and Aaron are already talking about it. We're talking who's the Jets going to play this weekend. I'm going with the Niners tomorrow, and I think they're going to blow the Giants right off the field yeah. in Santa Clara. They're laying in 10. Okay. And Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes making impact at sportsbooks after 3-0 start. Big D, Chalina yeah. Goldman, real quick. Should, uh, this Colorado Buffaloes are the only three games into their 2023 season, but new head coach. Deion Sanders has everyone believing his Pac-12 squad from fans to experts to, you guess it, odds makers and betters. However, we got a 20 and a half point spread against Oregon, and I think without Hunter in the game, I don't think, I, I think they, Oregon just might cover that spread. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a tough game, but one I'm going to be rolling with Dion. One last thing I want to get to before we wrap is um, I can remember in January of 2020 when we were going to the runoff in Georgia, and we were talking about Lynn Wood. I was catching a lot of flack for saying this guy seems like he's a little bit off the rails. Well, there's a breaking report tonight that Lynn Wood has flipped on Trump in the Georgia case and is going to mm. work with prosecutors. This is being reported in Right Scoop. Now, he has denied this, but uh, the New York Daily News has a piece today. So... As always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, all our truckers, all our farmers. Everybody keeps the country moving. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thank Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. Tomorrow night, we'll see you at 8 o'clock, live from Studio 6B.